With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, I didn't do any notes. No. No, no, no. Same, some things never change. Yeah, there's no point. If my notes slip, then Dolan creeps into this chair, doesn't he? I just had a little thing in my head I was going to say, but it was no. like, I was going to do a little partridge. My mum would be like, why have you bought this? When I was younger, I'd be like, Mama, like, bother let me leave. My mum was like, ooh, that's a, that's a lovely voice. Who is that talking? And my dad was like, oh, it's Chris Dolan. And she took one look at the screen and went, I do not like his hair. What? Hello, welcome to the Villa View podcast with myself, Martin Larson, and Olaf Melberg to my right. As you can see, we're both wearing classic Villa shirts. Again, mine's got Larson on the back. Tom's has got Melberg, although off camera, we decided that actually personality-wise, we'd probably be the other way around. Yeah, I think I'm the level-headed Larson, the the diplomat, as you said, yeah. whereas you're the more passionate, you know, the gets the people going. Getting the fans roaring, that's me. Plus, Martin Larson's the better-looking one, so that that's probably... <laughs> no, 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 actually, Melberg's a, a handsome man. Do you think? But we probably shouldn't get onto this too much, because there is a lot to talk about. <laughs> so we have had some tech issues. So much to talk about. Yeah, um, we, we came in here and the booth wasn't working, the audio wasn't working. We think we've got it right now. It looks like it's right, so um, hopefully all goes to plan and uh, and this will be out on, on Tuesday evening. I can see that now being turned into some kind of montage of it just not working. Like, <laughs> of you saying you saying that and then it obviously doesn't work. Yeah, quite yeah. possibly. Let's get into it, though, because it is a great time to be a Villa fan right now. Another two wins, eight in a row. How are you feeling? Well, at this moment in time, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> it's quite early doing the morning podcast, but in terms of Villa, I'm very, very happy. Got to say, I really, really enjoyed Saturday. And I think the good thing about this season now, and I've probably said this before on the podcast, is that last season, probably from about February, we knew that we would at the very least be top six and get playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is a lovely surprise because we all thought the season was over. I mean, you said before that you saw Dolan getting some abuse on Twitter, which is ridiculous for, for saying that the season was over and he'd given up. Mm. Well, I think anyone who said that they'd, they saw this coming is an absolute liar. Yeah, even if you hadn't quite given up on playoffs, nobody was feeling buoyant about the no. whole thing. And it's just been a revelation, not just because we've got the wins, but because we've got a lot of these wins with style. Yeah, because after that West Brom defeat, where we were all pretty low, if some someone would have said, all we've got to do now is just get eight wins in a row, 
you'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. Time for you to go home now. Yeah. Like, it, it just it was, you couldn't see it coming. And a good thing about Saturday was winning without Jack, because mm. that's a monkey off our back as well. I know we've won without him before, but that just shows that, that we're there now. The rest of the players are at a high level as well. Yeah, and we will get into the Rotherham and Bristol City games, but you look now to Friday against Bolton, all due respect to them, they're in a world of pain right now so you, you'd expect to go there and win and then then you get Millwall at home on Monday which is another winnable game and you, that's 10 games in a row and then yeah. then you look to play Leeds and Norwich Norwich certainly could be up by the time we play them um, and Leeds are in a battle for themselves but you just you just got to fancy Villa right now because they're playing so well and the confidence is sky high yeah that was a big test on Saturday, because Bristol City are in a good in a good position and have been going well. And it wasn't just well. it wasn't just sorry it wasn't just Grealish, but Mings was out, Horses yeah, was out, defence you know. in tatters, essentially. And Yednat came in mm-hmm. and played very very well. I've got to say he was one of my worries mm. pre-game because I was thinking, okay, when Rotherham are uh, launching it quite direct, that's fine for Yednat. But I thought Bristol City would be a, a, a bigger test on the floor. Yeah. And to be fair, he stood up to everything that was, that was thrown at him. I don't think Bristol City were great. I thought in the second half, Villa were absolutely dominant. Yeah. First half wasn't a great watch. Second half, though, I thought we were, we were utterly brilliant. Well, let's come on to the Bristol City game second, as, as we do. That's what we've got to do. Uh, yeah, so let's start with Rotherham 1, Aston Villa 2. And it was Rotherham that started off the brighter. It was, it was this game, everyone was kind of talking about it as a bit of a trap game. Um, with eyes on Bristol City, would we be ready for, for Rotherham? And we we were outplayed by them in the first half. I think it's it's very fair to say, and and they could have been one up very early on. John Taylor pickpocketing Neil Taylor and firing a cross goal um, for that one. And and they had a couple of nice chances. A Jade turns and and puts our defence on a sixpence. Uh, again, Jed Steer makes a, a decent save straight at him. But Rotherham were having the first early chances. We've still got that thing where. A lot of the time, we can't play well for two halves. We seem mm. to be a one-half team. But then at the moment, that one-half is, is exceptional. But mm. I do feel that's always how Villa have been my, my entire time. So supporting them, they'll have one pretty average half and then they'll have one really good half. And there's a lot of times where they have two terrible halves. Yeah. <laughs> well. I've seen my fair share of those. But yeah. same, on, same on Saturday, first half, not great. Second half, they've completely gone and done the business, and that's what they've done on on Wednesday night as well against Rotherham. Yeah, so Villa build into the game a little bit. Adoma has a chance. Uh, Hurahan has the follow up on that, which is blocked, and then the penalty comes. Absolutely no doubt about the penalty. It's a as big a bigger stonewall as you can have. Grealish uh, hauled down in the box. You but could it, see the Rotherham, the Rotherham, one of the other Rotherham players talking to the guy who gave the penalty and going. What'd you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> you can actually see, see him out because he, he's heading. I wouldn't. He's in the box, yes, but I would say he's going to do very well to get the ball across from there and cause cause a problem. So it was very clumsy. It's headless, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like John Insley in our game at Villa Park. There's no need. There's no need to make the challenge. <laughs> he goes for it, and uh, you can see the glory, and and there's absolutely no glory. But Marek Rodak uh, guessed the right way. It wasn't a great penalty from Tammy Scuff. Abraham, um, and. Yeah, I mean, Rodak has to go the right way, but he does, and, it, and he saves it. I thought uh, the Rotherham Twitter account made a, a meal of it. It was like, it's a great save, absolutely he unbelievable. With it properly. He didn't connect with it how he wanted to at all, old Tammy Lynch. He just didn't connect. And then, it, I mean, it seems like just a moment of or a, or a spell of madness from Tyrone Mings at, at this stage. And the first booking... It's a totally needless kick out from a player that is usually very 
cool-headed. Is he cool-headed? Do you not think? I, 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 quite, I like we're talking about fire, fiery characters and being passionate and stuff. He's he's up there. But I think he's I think he's got well before this game I thought he had a total perfect balance where he could fire up the crowd and and would roar at the crowd and yet he had the composure to to take a turn on the ball. He's a composed back. footballer for sure. And he does that in this incident. Yeah. He kind of controls it, turns out and passes it away. But there's just that little nick. You'd expect Tyrone Mings. I guess he's probably the player that's giving the little nicks rather than receiving them. So maybe that just caught in the wrong way. Aston texted me before, was at the game. He texted me before Mings got sent off. It might have even been before he got booked and he said, he's playing like a headless chicken. Really? He's, all, he's all over the place tonight. Yeah, so that's that's what Aston's feedback was. And he, he's obviously seen more of the game yeah. than I have. It was it was a kick up. He didn't really connect, did he? It was more just a, a lashing frustration. I'm not saying it's not a yellow card yeah. for any minute. I, we'll come on to the second yellow card, but the first one. He's definitely a yellow card. It's just frustration, isn't he? He's, he's been fouled persistently for the last thirty seconds on the ball, and sometimes you, the referee takes a dim, like a lenient view rather than a dim view of it. But I've, I'm no like no complaints with the booking at all. But you, he's a little bit out of character, yeah. I, I think so. And then um, not long afterwards, before the thirty minutes is is up, he gives away the penalty. Nils Cross comes in, and to me, Ming's just he just misreads it. It comes across too low. He's kind of gone for the shoulder slash head. It's caught him on the arm, and and the referee's seen enough to to give him a second booking, and and he's off. And to me, I <laughs> I know you're gonna have to pull the handbook out here with the referee's rules. I, I criticised the ref on the night. Oh, I, I tweeted about it, and I got a whole host of well, it must be bad if Tom Julian is not defending the ref. I thought the referee had a poor game, especially in the first half. Um, but uh, but this is where football is so subjective because lots of people came back to me and go ah no definite definite yellow kind of deliberate he's he's tried to get is away with deliberate? that hasn't he? I didn't think so I think it's one of those ones where he's just misjudged it yeah and then you kind of get caught in the make an instinctive movement towards towards the ball I don't think he's meant to do it's not like he's moved his hand out like that I mean you can't see if you're listening via audio it's not like he's moved his hand his hand stayed down by his side yeah he's kind of just. I don't, you can't really get out of the way of it at that point and he's misjudged it so it's always going to hit his arm. Compared to the Villa penalty later on in the game where where the defender's arm is, is right above his head, yeah. you know, that's that's a that's a stonewall penalty in my opinion. I thought it was debatable. I'm, I can see why the referee gave it. I, I also don't necessarily think it's a it's a I mean, I guess if you give it as a penalty then you've a judge that Mings is is deliberately uh, interfering with play and therefore it is a yellow card. Is some kind of indirect free kick thing. No, no, uh, no. I think, but I, I wondered whether the yellow card was necessary. But it's also, and again, to get into the referee psychology of it a little bit, the referee's probably is blood pressure's up. He's just booked. Have you come out with some listen, strange I'm, I'm things? Telling to say, you, I'm, I'm the referee's blood pressure is up, and that's why. No, no. I'm, I'm not saying that's exactly why. I'm saying that. That's part of it. He's just booked Mings. Mings is right in in his mind yeah. at this point. It's just happened again. Mings goes handball. Oh, it's you again. Bang, bang. He's deemed gone. deliberate, hasn't he? I think that's the the crux of the situation. He has already been booked. Personally, I think it probably is a penalty, but I don't think it's a yellow card. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think you could. Did the guy get booked for the handball? The Rotherham goal. I think he did. <sighs> Possibly, yeah, I can't. But that remember. seems to me more of a he, more of a movement. Means hasn't really mo- made a movement towards the ball. With no, I suppose he has actually, but his arms down his side. Yeah, maybe he does just think he's tried to get away with one there. I'm going to give him a yellow That's card. That's what Martin Lawrence said. And well, he forgot he'd already booked him. Maybe it's the opposite of what you said. Maybe he'd forgotten he'd booked him, and then he's, and he's booked him and thought, 
Oh no! Oh well, no going back now. But that is kind of I, that's genuinely what I'm trying to get at in terms of the pressure of the environment. Obviously, I've never refereed a championship game, but uh, really? it, <laughs> were you surprised? <laughs> but it's but there's sometimes that pressure where you've you've done it and you've gone for it and then you've gone. Oh, okay. And I don't know. Obviously, don't know what the referee's mindset is. But I guess the laws. I mean, his of, blood pressure was definitely up there. I can confirm that. I think it will be. The, the BPM <laughs> is, is going crazy. Um, anyway, it's about a, his cholesterol at this time. What was that doing? Well, it depends if he's had his all brown <laughs> or not. Um, he's given it anyway. Mings has gone. Dean Smith looks furious with the whole thing. He looked furious with the first. He got booked card. as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, which was kind of funny. They've only just brought that yeah, in. Yeah, the, uh, the Bristol City coach and Lee Johnson both got booked yeah. on Saturday as well. I don't think I've ever seen that before at a home game. I think so that's the first time it's happened. They didn't used to book the no, referees season, physically. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's good to see. I quite like it. Do that's you? another element. Yeah, yeah. Can you book anyone? Can you like book the kit man? If, he's, I guess if so. he says something. I guess if you're in the technical area, yeah, you can book because you can book the subs, can't you? Before yeah. they come, that's always been a thing. Yeah, because you could send a sub off if he's not even come on the pitch. But I, it used to be. This is really boring. If you don't have, if you're not on the pitch, then you didn't need to brandish a card. Okay. And now you, now you get your card. Oh, that is well. boring. <laughs> it was. I told you. Um, so, so that happens. Volk scores the penalty. No mistake. Straight down the middle. Uh, and I mean, it's not a very positive place to be, Villa. Are falling into that trap game as we talked about before, and you know one nil down away from home, ten men. We we look to be in a bit of a mess, and and Dean Smith pulls out a bit of a masterstroke. Yeah, I mean I think for people that are regulars to the podcast will know that I was at karaoke at the time. Yes. So obviously that's not done a straight cred much good at <laughs> all. But I was getting all kinds of texts and looking on Twitter when I was when I was out. And I was thinking, oh my God, there's an absolute meltdown here. But fair enough, we're down to 10 men. We've missed a penalty, we're 1-0 down. Oh, well, it was nice winning games while, while we were, but it's probably over now. And then I must have... I did a lovely rendition of uh, <laughs> David Gray Babylon. Oh! And I look, at my fo- I look at my phone, and we're winning 2-1. That feels like a song that's <clears> more <throat> challenging than you think it would be. No, I found it quite easy. Did you? Yeah, I did a bit of Johnny Cash as well. But uh, we don't want to talk about my karaoke <laughs> displays. But what I'm trying to make the point of, I was thinking, oh no, I'm not going to look at my phone for a bit did a song and then I thought okay I'll have a quick look we're winning 2-1 and I said to Andrew we're winning 2-1 and she was hammered at this point she couldn't believe it <laughs> she <laughs> because was of how negative it all seemed yeah. at half time it, it was a it was a bit wild because I mean I tweeted on the night I went to the bins just after half time we just that's had a rookie mistake you should never be doing things like that mid game and I mean I got called out for it at the time and rightly yeah, so yeah, I agree but I mean we had dinner at half time and I was like oh we're one nil down we've got 10 men what could happen? What's the worst maybe, that could Maybe happen? it's because of you that we scored two. Maybe. Yeah, maybe like the, the stars of a line because you've been an idiot. So, God's been like, I'm going to punish this guy if he decided to take out the bins and he's going to miss two goals. It's not the worst punishment. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> two goals for Rotherham would have been a bigger punishment. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm down in the bins and then I... <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be... Stig of the dumb That's, that's going to be Kyle. Um, <laughs> and uh, I come back and it's 2-1. But not only that, I kind of missed the tactical moment where, where we go two up top, which is a... A real anti-convention thing from Smith, right? To 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 utilise Kodjak. Usually, you'd you'd just kind of try and shut up shop and catch him on the catch him on the break. Dean Smith turns it on his head, and probably Rotherham aren't expecting that at all. And, and no. Villa probably go for it and and get the rewards. I like that because it gives them something to think about. I always think that when managers are picking teams, you know, before the game, sometimes you think. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm just completely change formation, pick a load of different players because they won't have prepared for that. Yeah. It's like that, isn't it? Yeah. They won't be. They won't have been thinking Dean Smith's going to go two up top here and really, th- really throw the kitchen sink at us. And yeah. That's that's what we did. I mean, you we win a penalty. 
almost immediately. And I've, I've criticised Codger on many occasions, but off the bench, Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham there, he's he's turned two games for us. Yeah, so Semi Ajay is the one, is the defender that has his hand up here, and it's El Mohamedi's cross. There really isn't any any doubt about it. And uh, and Codger sticks away the penalty. Good pen. Brave Ty- pen. Well, Tyler Hawkins says, uh, thoughts on Codger taking the penalty and not Ab- Abraham. Do you think it was a confidence thing? or? I, I think when you've missed one in that in that game... It's probably the right decision to let someone else take it. What was really good is that there didn't seem to be any argument about it. It was like, Codger's going to take it. OK, everybody happy with that. And he absolutely buries it, doesn't he? To Keeper, the penalty. That's how you take a penalty. Keeper's got no chance. That's very similar to Tom Julian's uh, Villa Park penalty. When he was straight down the middle, though. No, no, it was uh, just slightly... I mean, it wasn't quite in the corner, let's, no. let's be real. But it wasn't It wasn't million Because the away. keeper went the right way as well. He looked even better. It looks better, doesn't it? Yeah, when the keeper goes the right way and can't get anywhere near it. To be fair, for someone who's... It was his first touch of the ball as well, wasn't it? Apparently? Yeah, first goal since um, since December against Stoke as well. So yeah. hasn't had a lot of minutes, but Codger's one of those players, isn't it, where he's always confident. And I guess the when he's on the bench, that turns into frustration. But in this situation, he's he's always backing himself it's a to score. Goal, isn't it? I suppose, and he obviously had, you say he hasn't scored since December. Yeah, most the new haircut. Yeah. As well, giving him a bit of confidence. We were questioning the new haircut. Maybe it's giving him a, a new lease of life. He likes it, he feels good, he looks good, or he thinks he looks good. I'm going to take that penalty, I'm going to hammer it home. Maybe. Yeah, maybe great, that's it. Great, great penalty. Very much so. And then just a few minutes later, Tom Julian still in the bins. And <laughs> an excellent goal, orchestrated by, by Captain Jack. It's a wonderfully worked goal, isn't it? And and lots of, lots of um, talk about... Com- comparisons to Messi and this kind of thing, and we can calm down a little bit. But you, yeah, you know what? You've got to beat the you've got to beat the defenders there in front of you. And Jack Grealish is the way he moves this goal is superb. I'm not for one minute saying Jack Grealish is as good as Le- Lionel Messi. Yeah, but there's similar in some of his movements. There is definitely a similarity for me. There's a similarity. Oh, I think you'd, I mean, you're not saying anything which leads me to think that you don't agree with him at all. I, yeah. I'm not saying he's as good as him. Or yeah. He, but it, Jack's very unique. Yeah. And Messi is certainly very unique. I don't think there's... I, th- I think there's similarities in their style. Yeah. Uh, the, the way he moves his body and well, the way... I don't see insiders then when I'm trying to... When I'm trying well, because you just compared him to Messi. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was very <laughs> careful. The way, he, the way he moves his body is, is kind of slight frame, and but the fact that he's so strong as well, I think, is... is Comparable Messi's to Messi. deceptively strong, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he is. I think Messi has that, obviously, that extra edge where he scores 40 goals a season, which we would love Jack to, to add to his game. But you're right, and, and, and specifically in that goal, you know, his vision to not only to just have a pop shot straight away, but to lay it off. A pop shot? To, yeah. To be pop shot. Is that pop? Is it? I've never heard pop shot before. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. But he doesn't have a pop or a pot. Your pop um, shot sitting in the bins. Laying it off to El Mohamedy. And then, I mean, to be fair, the foresight of El Mohamedy to lay it back to, to Grealish is, is phenomenal as well. And then Grealish strokes at home and uh, and the, the, the kind of comeback is, it's not complete, but it's but it's brilliant. And I made a big shout on Twitter and yeah. I carried away, Tom Julian style, <laughs> denied by Sat. Although... Going back to last week slightly, I've got to say, I was shocked with the amount of people that agreed with you on McGinn. Yeah, so a bit of housekeeping. If you didn't watch last podcast, I said that McGinn's Sheffield Wednesday goal... Away uh, from home. Away from home was uh, as good, if not better, technically, you than You said it was better. Than, you than said it goal. was better. I said it was on a par, essentially. Mm, okay, but, um, but, yeah, technically, I thought it was better. And, and 
the YouTube comments tended to agree with I me. Know. It was about 50-50 on Twitter, but I, that was more than I thought would agree. I've got to say, my best mate, Stu, he's never ever listened to a podcast before. I said to him, listen to the podcast, I think you'll enjoy it. You've met Tom, you like Tom as well. Obviously, you like me. I think you'll get something out of it. And he, li- he listened to it, and he texted me saying, Tom's bang on about the McGee. And Steve's a good footballer yeah, as well. Yeah, he's played for West Brom, so he's a... He's a seasoned footballer. I appreciate it. He said that. what you were saying was, was bang on, and he wanted me to tell you. Oh, I've told you now. That's very nice. Thank you. You didn't have to tell me. I didn't, so. I didn't ask his opinion on my statement that Jack Grealish's was goal of the season. So, yeah, so you said that, that Grealish's was goal of the season, which, I mean, again, it's a, it's a bit of an audacious shout, but it's not without merit. I just think it was such a, again, it was such a unique goal. It's the kind of goal, you, I mean, so was McGinn's. We scored a lot of good goals, let's, let's face it. That's it, it. Even last season we scored a lot of good goals, but this season we've taken it up a, up another notch. Isn't it brilliant to be able to argue which goal was best? Not because we've only got one goal in the goal yeah. of the month competition, do you remember that? I'm trying to remember what would have won the goal, our goal of the season. Like, not last season, but the two seasons before. So the season we went down and the season we were bang average in the championship. Wasn't... Was it our last season in the in the Premier League where we only scored one goal in a in a month? No, that was Lambert the season before. Was it? That yeah. was truly dreadful. But yeah, to your point, I can't I can't think of the best goal from last season. There was a few good ones. Obviously, the Grealish volley. Yeah, Snodgrass against Sheffield United. Yeah, was another belter. Hurrahan last year. Hurrahan against Blues. Yeah, as well. So that was the three last year. This year. The McGinn volley, Sheffield Wednesday. I think we could have a top ten. The Jack volley against Derby. Connor scored a couple of good free kicks. Mm-hmm. One of his free kicks, I can't remember which one it was, was I think it was the Derby one, was unbelievable. Yeah. McGinn's, obviously, you've said it was better away. And then that Rotherham, Rotherham one, which I'm saying so far is our goal of the season. Interesting. I wouldn't agree, but I can see why you'd say I that. I just liked, I just think, I think maybe because it actually meant something as well, whereas the McGinn goal just ended up meaning nothing because we lost the game. This was the winner in in the midst of a really good run it was just such a nice goal I team it was a team move as well he just took four players completely out of the game with one touch and then Neil Taylor gave it him back he was away four players just just taken out in the space of a second it's the outside of the boot as well where he just knocks it back it's so classy no he's so good to watch it was really really so nice so good to watch and credit should also go to Jed Steer um, Villa go 2-1 up and then Jed Steer makes a great save from, yeah. a, from a null um, close range shot um, to tip it over the bar uh, we also got a little bit lucky John Taylor has another crack which hits Yedinak and goes over could have gone anywhere he put himself in the way he put himself in the way I mean he did did his job but it could have gone anywhere and we'll, we'll come back to Rotherham potentially at the end of the season come what may and that might be a nice really re- really crucial yeah it might be no I've got no idea what you're talking about come what may Oh, it's in right. Right. Be nice, it? I was just like, what? Uh, um, what did you laugh when I said nice bunny? I was just, just going to carry on. <laughs> Professionalism. Um, Where? Come what may, this, it again. this game may be crucial. Because if we lose this game and then we go into Bristol on a bit of a downer, obviously we'll never know what happens. But this could change the course of the last part of our season. Well, I'd have suggested if we'd not be, or we'd be lost to Rotherham, for example, and then we got a load of injuries and personnel missing going into Bristol game. I imagine confidence wouldn't have been sky high. Yeah, but they've they've dug in on Saturday and they've dug in on Wednesday. Let's face it, they've put a lot of yardage into the last the last few games as well. They've gone right to the death at the weekend before with Sheffield Wednesday as well and scored two goals at the end of the game to, to win the game. It's good to see that like going back to the Codger thing a little bit. It's good to see people coming off the bench who've not been involved that much. Yeah, just coming in and making making an impact. Because we had some, a bit of that on Saturday as well. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great, and yeah, like you say, we'll come on to Keenan Davis. Um, he's been he's been featured a little bit more, which is which is really good. And it is a team game. There's a question in the comments um, about our loan players who are out on loan at the moment, um, and and how they kind of come into to things and. It just goes to show that Dean Smith is really using his bench and hopefully we'll see more of those players, whether we're in the Premier League or the Championship next season, we'll be able to see these younger players being blooded a little bit more throughout the season. And now that Dean Smith is kind of confident that he knows what Keenan Davis is about, um, he'll he'll be able to trust and utilise them. Yeah, I, I, I really, really like Davis. I thought he made a positive impact when he came on. On Saturday, I think sometimes we forget actually how good he was last season. Mm. He didn't. I think he only scored one goal in the league, didn't he? Mm. But his all-round game was was brilliant. He just needed to put the ball in the back of the net a little bit more. But when he's on the pitch, I always think we look dangerous. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Bristol City game then, unless you wanted to. No, I don't think there's any, anything except for it. Really made me like the third kit. Yeah, I've never been that sold on the third kit, but right. us winning two on away, seeing all the players in it, really made me keen on the third kit. Nice. Um, so we we go into the Bristol City game. Obviously, um, we, we know we don't have Mings. There's there's chat that Courtney Hawes won't be available. Uh, and then about an hour or two hours before we find out that Jack Grealish is suffering with an illness. The amount of texts I got that morning saying, is it true about Jack? So obviously the rumour was doing the round yeah. somewhere. I say when I found out he was injured, or not injured, sorry, when I found out he wasn't playing, I was thinking, oh no. Yeah. We don't need that at all. And it was, yeah, one, we didn't need it because, I mean, obviously Jack's been captain seven games in a, in a row and, and winning all these games, but also with those key injuries at the back that we're missing. And he's just been that ticker, hasn't he, that's kept us going. So, and, and Bristol City in great form, I think uh, unbeaten in five and they'd beaten West Brom 3-2 in the week. So they're confident and they probably will have heard Jack Grealish is out and... Get buoyed from that as well. well. Someone put a Bristol City fan put a tweet out, didn't they? It's like saying uh, something about Jack being out, inject it into my veins or something really? like that. And obviously then people following that and put it in, put it out how they're quote tweeted. After the game, I was concerned. And then you learn Codgers out, who's yeah. done well as well. I'm, I don't know what was wrong with him. Did we find out what's wrong with him? No, no. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm presuming he's got the same sickness bug. That's just a guess. Yeah. Um, you've obviously got your defence in tatters. One, one more injury to the defence and you're in real trouble. Because Twan's Abe's obviously only just come back. Yes. Yedinak's not played much football at all since Dean Smith's come in. So you're thinking, we'd only take a hamstring strain or something from them not probably both not fully match fit. And you're in, you're in real, real trouble. Mm-hmm. Luckily, that, luckily that didn't happen. But I've got to say, I didn't have massively high hopes in true true Dolan style. I'd have taken a point for sure. Because I, I, just that game was one you don't lose. You don't lose to your playoff rivals that are at right home. next to you at home. We just can't afford to lose that game. A draw would have been a semi-decent result, to be fair. So what was the atmosphere kind of before the game? Were people still in high spirits? Yeah. Was it still a good mood? Yeah, because there's, before the game's kicked off, there's no need not to be, is there? I've got well, to I say, guess there's nervousness. Yeah. I've got to say, the fans were, I, I, I think, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I did have a look at the guy in front of me when Connor scored because he, he give, Connor did something wrong in the first half and he gave him a bit of stick and then Connor scored. It was a more of a polite applause <laughs> than anything, which I just find baffling. But never mind. Well, he had a couple of chances, didn't he, Connor oh, Hurahan? And and yeah, a couple. All of them were not. Well, I mean, they were fairly like you'd expect him to score, but it was Max O'Leary, the goalkeeper, Bristol City's goalkeeper, who had a phenomenal day, it has to be said, um, and and some reactive saves to stop Hurahan getting a goal earlier than he should have done. I mean, I had to check 
someone's program sitting around me to check who he was. Let's check that and sign David De Gea without without me knowing. He's actually got his own part in the notes. I say earlier, not many so opposition well. goalkeepers have have got that. Oh, he played for the Moors. Yeah, so he's only well, he's only twenty twenty two, um, and last year was playing for Solihull Motors. Moors. Uh, Solihull. Solihull <laughs> Moors. Where did I get Solihull Motors? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, Vauxhall Motors. Um, <laughs> Solihull Motors. But anyway, so last year he's he's playing uh, what's that fifth sixth division? I think they're conference. Yeah, so fifth. So fifth. Um, and uh, I liked it. Somebody on his Wikipedia page um, on Saturday, thirteenth of April, two thousand and nine, O'Leary produced the best goalkeeping goalkeeping performance ever seen in a Bristol City jersey. O'Leary was voted in the EFL's Team of the Week and is expected to be named a contender for Ballon d'Or twenty nineteen. I thought that was funny. I've got to say, he was very, very good. One of the best opposition goalkeeping performances that I can think of. Remember John Foylan having a good game for Wigan mm. at, Villa, at Villa Park once in those heady days when we were losing 2 0 to Wigan at home in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, he made some great saves, saves that he didn't really have any right to make because Connor could have had four or five. Yeah. Uh, the encouraging thing was that he was getting himself into some great positions because I thought in the first half it was McGinn who was told to get further forward and Connor was a bit deeper with Whelan. Second half, I think Dean Smith must have said to him, Look, you go. You go and be the one that gets into the box and try and try and get us a goal, and he certainly took the, that advice on board because he had he was unlucky in the first half with a header. Because let's face it, heading's not really his game, is it? But he was a good header, and Max O'Leary's made made a really good save yeah. in the first half. Second half, he's hooked one with his right foot that pretty much I thought at the time he definitely definitely should score that. Actually, it is a really good save. Yeah. Because I thought, why didn't he put it in the corner at the time? But I think he'd have done well to get it in either corner. So that's a great save. He then had another header that's gone just just over the bar that he'll probably say he should have scored. I think that's a really hard header because it's kind of like he's kind of flicking it on, isn't he? And I I, I re-listened to the uh, to the uh, extended match highlights, and the, I mean the commentator for that game. I think he's an EFL commentator, but every cross he said was delicious, and uh, and he he's like, and Horan has to score that one, and it's like I thought that was a really hard chance to try and get that up and over. It's probably the hardest of the lot, well, like, except for the, the goal was not an easy chance. He's going to come on to the goal, yeah. He scored his hardest chance, and that's on the spin. That's that's a really hard skill yeah. to do, and to be able to get it into the side netting in the right in the right fashion. Yeah. For- for me, he scored the scored the hardest chance yeah. of the lot. But what I liked about it was, one, I thought, oh god, the fans are going to get start getting on his back again now, and that didn't happen, mm. except except for the guy in front of me. And then um, it shows a brave player that you can miss and keep get, keep getting yourself in those in those positions because he's not he's not a striker, is he? It's not his job, but he just kept putting himself in the, the positions, and then he he showed good now to, to score the goal. That, that he scored and just just delighted for him and he's, he's again his record for someone that we signed for one and a half million I think his record's incredible yeah so but his first well, an, another big action that, that he had was was winning the penalty as well soft yeah very I've put that <laughs> pulled down soft yeah I mean that was a that was weak penalty wasn't it but so we've had some suspect ones given against us I think about the Preston game when Chester dived in and I think he got I don't think it was a foul, and he got sent off, and they get a penalty and get themselves back back into the game. I'm sure we'll get one given against us before the end of the season that's slightly suspect. If you put your hands on someone, you're asking for a bit of trouble. I'd describe it for it's needless from the Bristol City defender really to do that because mm-hmm. he isn't going to he's not going to score from there. 
if I was a Bristol City defender, I'd be saying, what did you do that for? Yeah. Yeah, like the Rotherham goal. So Tammy Abraham comes back in to take the penalty. Makes no mistake this time. Still wasn't the strongest penalty in the world. No, because he, he was close to the keeper's legs. He, yeah, he kind of he was down the middle, but he was more to the one side, and it was more to the one side that the keeper had dived. So it quite easily could have hit his leg, but it's gone in. So that, I mean, that's the that's the main thing, yeah. isn't it? One player that we haven't talked about yet is Amwar El Ghazi. What, what did you think of his performance on Great. Saturday? Thought he was our second best player. I thought he was. I thought he was brilliant. He looked a threat every time. He got the ball. And I've got to say, the Bristol City right back, he just let him cut inside every single time, which was obvious. It was what he wa- what he wanted to do. But the Bristol City right back, he's Hunt. He just kept letting letting it happen, mm. which I found a bit bizarre. But him and Taylor down the left hand side were linking up superbly. I've got to say, Villa put out their tweet yesterday for who a tough one this week again. He, who's your man of the match? And put four players out. How Neil Taylor has not got into them them four, I do not know. Yeah, he, that was the best game I've seen him having a Villa shirt because he was a threat going forward and he was astute at the back and his link-up play with our guys he was great he was always an option on the overlap it's great to see T- Taylor's confidence building and building especially as we as we hopefully get closer to the playoffs um, he, he is just becoming more and more of an asset not only defending but going forward as well when I say I've said previously that he's obviously not an attacking fullback because he's not one that's got blessed with loads of pace and he's going to bomb down the line for you, like a Roberto Carlos. But he's a, he's a good footballer. Mm. He's got a good footballing brain. He's a good passer of the ball. Now, Taylor obviously was involved in the goal on Wednesday with, with Jack, and I think that's been overlooked yeah. ever, ever so slightly. But his passing's good. He's, he's sharp. He can play one-touch football when he needs to. Obviously, he was playing at Swansea when they came up, and they were a very good footballing side, weren't they? So he can, he can play that kind of football. Now, now Taylor, I just thought he 10 out of 10. For Neil Taylor on Saturday, I thought he was absolutely excellent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even though you asked me about El Ghazi, <laughs> yeah, it was good. Well, naturally, I was going to come on to El Ghazi setting up Hurraham for the for the winner, and it is like you said that cut inside. Um, Hunt, if it is Hunt, shows him shows him the inside. I'm holding behind the mic. Are you? Yeah, you shouldn't do that. It's probably the best. Yeah, um, it's. It's, it's El Ghazi that cuts inside again. Has the has the awareness to just slide it through to Hurahan, who's who's made his own space, and and on the spin, strikes a ball really cleanly, and and O'Leary's got no chance for for one of these, which is which is nice to to see, and that puts us two 0 up. And does the pressure then kind of do you, does it ease, or do you think how does it how does it feel in the stadium at that stage? Come back to that question just quickly because now I want to tell you, talk to you, say something about El Ghazi, even though you asked me and I didn't talk about him. <laughs> right. Because I might like. What is the point in these days? No point. I, tr- I try my best. I will say it's early. It's early. <laughs> that's, that's my excuse. What I liked about it was with Jack out, I thought El Ghazi took responsibility to be that driving one with the ball, mm. and I like and I liked that a lot. And hopefully that's something he can take take on when Jack's back because if them two are both driving with the ball, that's causing teams. A lot of problems. I just like. I really thought El Ghazi stepped up yeah. in Jack's absence, and I liked that. Good. Now, what was your other question? I can't remember. Honestly, I can't. Oh, uh, I know. Two, two nil. How, how was the atmosphere? Two nil up. Buzzing. The atmosphere. The atmosphere was pretty good all day. As as I say, as, as someone who sat here and criticised it when it's been badly, hmm. it'd be wrong of me not to say how good it was when it when it was good. The players sat back a little bit again, a bit like the Blackburn game. We kind of went two nil up, and I felt like we lost a little bit of concentration. Because one, th- one slight criticism I've got at the moment, and it's very slight because I don't want to criticise anyone, we seem to have stopped being able to kick clean sheets again. Mm. 
we always seem to have to have to concede. It's a great finish from Deja, however you say his name. I think that's right. Jeju. Jeju. Yeah. It's a lovely finish, but just felt it was too easy for him. Yeah, it, I was I was going to say the same thing. So I've said Villa switch off. Well, it's like we're in sync here. Um, it's, it's very worrying. <laughs> um, it, it seems like quite a slow build up, and there's a lot of kind of opportunities to either get your head on it or get get it away. One, two, three, and then Jeju creates the space enough for him to be able to bicycle kick it. It just seemed like we got a little bit too comfortable. Yeah, same as the Blackburn game. I, like you said, I think we just switched off ever so slightly and you, you can't do that they say you're, you're most vulnerable when you've just scored and we kind of let Bristol City have a, have too much of the ball and showed them a bit too much too much respect after we went 2-0 up I thought because we were bombarding them before that and we were looking really really good and I know Dean Smith doesn't send teams out to sit back Dean Smith would have been wanting to go for a third going for a fourth so I don't know what it is is it psychological are the players still Haunted by Steve Bruce tactics when you go two 0 up a little bit. I no. don't know. I don't. I, but I don't think that's a Steve Bruce thing or or an any individual manager thing. I think it. I think it's genuinely a psychological thing where you go, the the pressure maybe goes off a little bit and you just lose that half a second. I don't know. That's that's what it seems. To then be. what I will say is, from going to two one, like the Blackburn game. I've seen the game out relatively comfortably. Yeah. I wasn't massively worried. Well, Villa were, had the best chances of the, the last part. Keenan Davis has a go. Uh, John McGinn breaks through from the corner there. McGinn's game management, incredible. Yeah. And how he, where he found the energy from in the 90s minute to do some of the things he was doing, I do not know. But again, McGinn was great. Just pretty much standard since he's come back into the team from that break. Well, let's talk about McGinn a little bit because we had a lot of questions about him and about his uh, suspension potential. Yeah, so, I can't get my head around this, to be honest. And I'm going to struggle at this hour. <laughs> so he's on 13 bookings now. Some oh. achievement again, 13 bookings, <laughs> Yeah, he's done, done really well. I don't remember him doing anything particularly dirty. No. To get a 13 book, because obviously he hasn't been sent off. 13 bookings is some achievement. Well very, done, John. Very good. Uh, so if he picked up 15, that would be a three-match ban for bookings. I can't remember that happening to anybody. Must have happened to Jerry Barton. Yeah, possibly. Um, Roy Keane. So uh, the EFL have said that if he picks up 15 bookings in the league, then they will count towards playoff games. So if he picked up a 15th booking in the last game of the season, he would miss the whole potential playoff campaign. If, however, he gets... Once once the season finishes, none of the bookings count anymore. Right. So the the basic argument is, do you play McGinn until he gets his 14th booking and then rest him? Do you carry on playing and hope that he doesn't get booked? Or do you rest him completely and wait for the playoffs? What would your, would your thoughts be on that? Well, whilst we're needing to win still, until it's mathematically possible, like mathematically done, mm. you don't take him out. Yeah. Although we've proved now, with whichever midfielder's missing... We've got others that can come in and do well. So, I don't know. You definitely don't play him in the last game if he sat there on 14. Yeah. You definitely don't. I mean, it would be done by then. I would think we would know whether we're going to be top six so, at that stage. But it's it's a unique situation. Yeah. You think the amnesty would... Because he's played 41 games, 42 games, whatever. You think there'd be a bit of a, there'd be a clearance of it all now? Well, there at is this a stage. Yeah, but at this stage... No, that makes no sense. Why? If you were saying that compared to a playoff opponent, it was oh, like yeah. he's on 14. And everyone, everyone in the other team. Yeah, sure. exactly. I bet, no one, is, I bet no one is, though. I, bet, I don't know. That doesn't matter. It just feels like 13 bookings in 41 games. 
isn't that bad. This is the most biased Villa I've ever heard you. It's not that bad. Oh yeah, but now we should clear it out. It's, just clear it. It's just the it's just the rules, mate. You've got to play by the rules. I know it's a difficult one because you don't want to take him actually flying at the moment. Yeah, and do you also rest him? Like, there's a danger where we where we try and predict which is the easier game, and you know, do, do Bolton surprise you? Don't play him again, and then Bolton surprise you, or you take him out for Millwall because we're at home and we're feeling good, and then you get to Leeds, which might still be a very important game. Like, there's a there's a lot of factors in play, and it'll be an interesting one to see what Dean Smith decides. Maybe you would you wouldn't play against Millwall. I would say there's a lot of people I should say who who ask this question. Gareth Thomas, Graham Owen, uh, Stephen Deakin, and, and a bunch of others. Uh, Anthony Harper says, "How good are we without McGinn?" Well, we won against Blues, and who was the other one without him? Blues and Derby without McGinn. Mm. Didn't we? Two tough games. Mm-hmm. We made light work of Derby for sure. So we've shown again. We've shown that we can win without him. And I'm quite interested by the team selection on Friday actually because. When McGinn was suspended and the others came in and did well, McGinn didn't get straight back in. Yeah. So what happens with Jack now? Because the others have all done well on Saturday. Well, so this is this is a question we've had from Tom Whitwam, which I love as a surname, Whitwam. Um, of course you do. David Cook um, as well. Uh, which P, uh, which three do you pick from uh, out of those four? Well, for Saturday. For Friday. Sorry, for Friday. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is we're saying that, like, in some ways I think it doesn't send the right message. If Grealish gets back in, straight away. But in other ways, I think it's Jack Grealish, Daniel. What are you on about? <laughs> like, he is the one. I don't know. I think maybe Whelan will sit out one and McGinn will sit out one. I don't know which way around. That would be what I would suggest mm. will happen. Interesting. Uh, t- Across they- Friday, Monday. Yeah. David Cook says, will the Bolton players be up for Friday, considering they haven't been paid? Uh, they could be relegated on Friday night. You know, it's a, it's a terrible time in my... I really sympathise with the Bolton staff, particularly the non-playing staff that rely on on that wage, like we rely on a wage. Yeah. It's a bit different for footballers, but obviously they're going through a lot as well. But all the non-playing staff and the fans as well, you just don't like to see it. No, I don't like to see it, but in the nicest possible way, I hope we take advantage of it. Well, we've got to win. Yes, yeah. that's for sure. I don't. I don't think it'll affect them. Sometimes things like that galvanise teams. It so, creates some form of togetherness. Uh, they're, pro- they're protesting the players. Oh, are they? Yeah, they haven't trained, I don't think. Oh, God, OK. So, well, like, we're, not, we're not being a team that's not training. Well, I problem. don't know if they've not trained completely, but I think they've, they're certainly making a protest that they're not just going to train. Do you feel for Bolton? Because Bolton were in the Premier League for, for a long time. A team I probably associate with being in the Premier League, and they'll be dropping down. To, to League One every time I see Phil Parkinson on the TV the manager as well he just looks completely broken yeah well that's it isn't it the, yeah. the, the whole I think the whole club is a bit broken and not not to go back to Sunderland until I die but it does happen to clubs it does happen when we've when, gone a few weeks without mentioning <laughs> yeah when you're in financial arrears and, and we felt like that in the off season last year when there's a complete unknown about where your club is going to be or whether it's even going to be a club you know that's that's terrifying for for fans who have had a season ticket for forty years uh, or whatever. Yeah, they they are the lifeblood of the club, and to see that kind of crumble into a kind of unknown obscurity is just is devastating for people. 
Yeah, it's not good, and it feels like there's too much of it about. Yeah, to for be honest sure. as well. I, I, the EFL really need to take a look at their fit and proper persons act because and their referees and and their referees fit and proper referees they need to take a look at as because well. but genuinely on a serious point with and the commentators by the sound of things you weren't happy with the commentator comment, either. That commentator is one of the worst. I've ever, I love the fact you got heard. more riled up by a commentator <laughs> than, than the referees this season. No, I mean this is the first time I've mentioned the commentators, but this no, is, no. this is shambles. That's and it. I mentioned the referee in the Rotherham, so yeah. I'm one all. But anyway. The, the EFL do need to address that because because it is a shambles. Um, anything else you want to talk about from the uh, Glenn Whelan got man of the match? How did you, you you've already said Connor played really well? Um, El Ghazi played really well. It's good that we've got There's so many contenders. I don't think Neil any, Taylor. I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone really let us down. But for me, Neil Taylor or Al Ghazi would both feel hard done by not to get man of the match. But Glenn Whelan was very good again, mm. and it's great to hear the fans singing his name. Yeah, his missus obviously loving it. On social media as well that the fans have have taken taken to him. Just interested to see what happens to him. Yeah. At the at the end of the season, I believe he's a great character and a great person to have around the football club, and he's playing really really well yeah. at the moment. Um, Jatinda says appreciation for uh, El Mahamadi and Taylor seem to have gone under the radar a little bit. Not so much on this podcast, but no. yeah, generally. I mean, you can't you can't lift everybody up all the time, but these guys are continuing to deliver. I think Dave Smith said Elmo is all, always a 7 out of 10. Again, I don't think Elmo's doing too much different to what he's always done. Mm. I feel like Glenn Whelan's not doing too much different to what he's always done. I just think people are standing up and taking notice of it now, whereas they weren't before. They were looking for the bad mm. in people. And now when you're doing well, inevitably, people look for the look for the good in everyone. Totally. I think that's what that's obviously what's happening here. But Elmo's been pretty consistent ever since he's he's been at the football club. Yeah. Simon O'Regan, um, Elmo has been excellent, a much better defender than he's given credit for and proved to be a useful attacking outlet recently. Benjamin Minot, does Jimmy D- Danger deserve another start and will he get one in the in the last few games? You'll see him crop up on the wing at some point. There, but there has to be an element of rotation, especially over Easter. There's a, lot, there's a lot of games. We've just had three games in a week as well. There'll be people coming in and out. And it's good to have options. Lansbury was back and came on yeah, a little yeah. brief cameo on Saturday. It's, it's good to see him come back into the frame. Hopefully he can just stay fit because he's another good option to have. And I think it's clear that Smith likes him because when he's been on the bench, he's been bringing him on. Do you think Abraham's gunning for 30? Do you think he's had a little word What's in? Yeah, now 20, 24. So He'd do well to get 30 now. He would, yeah. He slowed down, hasn't he? He was a Goal ratio, his goal rate earlier on in the season was ridiculous and it has slowed down. But we're getting goals from other places. Yeah, he was nice. never going to be able to keep that up. It was just impossible to keep up what he was doing around Christmas time. Yeah. suppose if we get playoffs as well, he, how many games has he got left? Five, potentially eight games. Yeah, he could hit there. Hopefully he's aiming for Seven. it. Seven. Have I done bad math? Bolton, Millwall, Leeds, Norwich. Yeah. And then potential three. Oh, seven. Yeah. yeah. You'd think he could do it. Yeah. Hopefully he does. Well, let's see. Hopefully he adds that on Friday. Uh, run out of time a little bit, so I want to get on to a couple of other things. Dean Smith got manager of the month for March. Five successive wins in that period. Derby, Birmingham, Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough and Blackburn. Give him April now as well. Uh, he's starting off April pretty well as well, isn't he? Um, so Daniel Fark, uh, Jose Gomez and James Shan were the other contenders. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Daniel Fark asked that question then. <laughs> <laughs> it could be in the notes. You never know. Uh, interesting one here. George Burford, unpopular opinion. Jed Steer is vastly overrated and only preferred by fans because he's been unlucky with injury. I don't think fans take anything to do with being unlucky with injury into account. No, I'm being honest. No, I don't. Uh, to this 
to this degree, especially with goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, I think, get very short shrift. If they're not performing, then they usually get pelters, as we saw earlier on in the season. Um, and we had another question as well, which I replied to on Twitter, but I haven't written it down. I saw um, it. Uh, if if we went into the Premier League now, um, would it be Kalinic over over Steer? I mean, I've, I've generally avoided the Premier League questions because I don't think we should be talking about them. But I Great. just don't think you can make that decision yet. I think it's a summer summertime decision. Dean Smith would have seen a lot more of both keepers than, yeah. than either of us. But you got to remember, Kalinic is the one that Dean Smith signed. Yeah. He's big. That's his player. Yeah. Dean Smith. There's not many there that can say that. Well, I was bought by by Dean Smith. So we obviously seen something in Kalinic. I think people just, I've said it before, people need a pre-season. Mm. It's difficult to come in and hit the ground running straight away. As a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, you, you're persecuted for it and you get a bit jittery and make, make another one and he's probably letting some goals that he should have done better with. But what I'll say about Steer is he's definitely been the most consistent goalkeeper we've had. Yeah. And that's why the fans have liked him because at times the others have been a little bit erratic. Yeah, and he's made some really important yeah, saves. The game, yeah. a, couple of, a couple of big saves, totally. penalty against Sheffield Wednesday, and that's been overrated. I think that's just people appreciating that he's done a good job since yeah. he's come in. He's made a couple of mistakes, but he's still a young goalkeeper playing at the highest level he's ever played at. He's not really a young goalkeeper, he's 26 now, I think, but in terms of match experience, experience yeah, yeah, he's pretty low. Absolutely. Um, so it's eight in a row, the first time since the 1974-75 season, uh, which incidentally we went up, Yeah. Uh, which was which was nice. Um, Good omens. Yes. The org as well. Do you know who we beat on that run? What, the eight teams? 74-75. No, I'll have a guess at a couple of teams. Go on. Did we beat... You know, tick them off. Everton? You can play at home. Everton? Uh, no. Okay, scrap that guy. Bad start. West Brom, Millwall, Cardiff, Oldham, Blackpool, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, and Norwich. When was the last time we won ten in a row? Uh, I don't know. These notes. They'll man. be. They'll be next week. These. You notes. can't. You can't give it all away. It's all about you building. Be doing, this is. The, you should be doing your due diligence. I will say that I have suffered from doing an early morning pod. I did mean to look that up, but I just haven't had time. Okay. So there's a very much a potential that You're next week... In the bins. He didn't have time to do it. No, <laughs> that next week we're talking about... I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I hope this doesn't come across as arrogance. But I think there's a good chance that we could be talking about ten in a row. All right, Spielberg, arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> um, we might be doing the pod straight after the game. I'm, I'm waiting for the Millwall game because you're going. Yes. I mean, obviously, we need to discuss this off camera. Yeah. So there's a high chance we could just come back and do it straight after the Millwall game. That would be good for my missus as well. I suggest we'll do that. That would be my my feeling on it. Let's have a quick look at the. Uh, championship table then Norwich continue uh, at the top although they've dropped points in their last two games which is good maybe they're easing off maybe they well you can't ease off too much they're on 86 points with Leeds on 82 Um, and then Sheffield United three points behind again in third on 79 and then there's a big gap between West Brom um, on 73, Villa on 69 and Bristol City on 65 a couple of questions can we catch West Brom would have been helpful had they not won yeah. at the weekend and I didn't fancy them to be honest against Preston mm. but I think the whole Alex Neal saga it took its toll and then he signed a new deal hasn't it Preston yeah. has ended up staying but he, interesting. he was saying that, that, guy, that the speculation seemed to affect his players right. big time in, in his post-match um, we can certainly still catch him it takes for them to lose a couple of games and we, and we win all ours. Yep. And we, we've caught them, obviously. It'd been beneficial to catch them because I'd rather be away first. Yes. But. Yeah, so the playoff dates, if you haven't seen this, are now 
confirmed of sorts. Uh, they haven't obviously announced wh- which team third and sixth will play and fourth and fifth will play on which date. Um, they decide that based on transport and policing and stuff like that. So well, they don't usually bother with the fixtures to do with transport, so I don't know why this no, is starting now. that's true. So um, Saturday the 11th of May, the week after the end of the season, will be uh, both teams will play either at 12.30 or at uh, 5.15 and then Tuesday the 14th and Wednesday the 15th of May both at 7.45 will be the second legs of those respective fixtures obviously Monday the 27th of May is the championship playoff final so um, put those dates in your diary that's quite important Hoppo Ben um, put put in a, a tweet saying that he's on call I think on Ooh. Monday the 27th and there's no chance of changing it so I think my dad's had a stinker I think he's away I think he's missing it on the for the final for the semis for the semis both legs I mean, I think he's had an absolute nightmare I mean that could work for for, for other people could, in the booth could work for you at a price <laughs> <laughs> I mean I give you my time every uh, every week we'll say well, I mean it's not up to me it's, essentially it's not my ticket no that's very true yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be on the charm offensive with you dad <laughs> you really and will your mum the worst thing is, is that I know you will but <laughs> that, is the, that is the worst thing uh, let's finish with um, I, I don't, don't need to finish because I need to go to work I don't know if you have we all need to go to yeah. work if you've seen this one Rob Prince um, Villa snog marry avoid of the current oh. squad do you want me to to give you my thoughts the yeah. avoid one's hard. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to do avoid. Well, I'm going to go with oh, snog. Oh, this is weird. I don't know what I brought it up. This is Rob Prince's yeah, well done, fault. Fab. All the questions you could have picked to pick in this one. We've got a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was fun to finish okay. it. I'm regretting it immediately. Good. Snog. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think somebody that doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think barely any of them listen to the podcast. That's fine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bjarnason to snog. Mary. Bjarnason. James Chester. Feel like he's a nice homely fella. Yeah. Uh, avoid. Um. Richie Delat because he's in Australia. It'd be very hard to, to get together. Uh, I can't, I can't, I've not even seen this. I've put no thought behind it. But, like the rest Whatsoever. of the podcast. I marry Dean Smith. Can I marry him and do that? Yeah. He know he knows how to look after a guy. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you say things, you don't know what's coming out of your mouth. That's exactly what. Welcome to my life. Yeah, Dean Smith knows how to look after this guy. <laughs> uh, snog. Jeez. I'll go with Connor because he scored the winner at the weekend. Fair. Um, avoid. Who's that on load? Because <laughs> that's the only way. That's, I feel that's like where I, can, I went for. Feel it. I can go. I'll go with avoid. Michael Richards. He avoids the first day. I'll go. I'll go. I go. Yeah, I'll go with Mika because he's not gonna. He's not gonna be here next season, so I'll have to avoid him because there's no long-term future for us. There. Fair enough. I'd have to do that. Very diplomatic. What a finish to the podcast. That is award-winning stuff. Yeah. Um, so just really, a, really isn't. Just a few notes before we end. There'll be a Bolton match preview out on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, yep. So that's James Rushton. Um, no, not James. And, uh, and, and Rolo putting that one together. Uh, and I also need to say happy birthday to Clive Burford because I did such a good job with the birthday message last week. I mean, you didn't. Last Is week. this a regular thing now, birthdays? I'm, I'm hoping the birthday People send them into the video screen <laughs> for half time in Villa yeah. Park. Is that what's happening there? So happy birthday, Clive, from your son, George. Uh, birthday on the 20th of April. Um... Uh, George and his brother have been taken by his dad from Devon, uh, which is which is no mean feat. For it's a long the, drive, that regularly for the last ten years. So, uh, massive massive appreciation from from George for for instilling that love of Villa. So, happy birthday, Clive! Have a good one. Yeah. Brilliant. Happy birthday, Clive. That's it, is isn't that it? Is that your real <laughs> <laughs> oh, And we also should mention, just on a uh, on a sadder note, it's um, today, Tuesday, is the funeral for, yeah. for Stephen Linton. So, um, Philip Knott, 
uh, Aston, the, the Aston Vicar on Twitter. He is uh, he's doing the funeral. So um, just a. I just hope that that day is uh, it'll mean a lot to a lot of people. So yeah. just wishing all the best for for everybody involved in 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 that. Yeah, I said to you before we came on that it wasn't a proper away game unless you'd seen Steve in his in his cricket jumper. So I'm sure he'll be sorely missed by by, by a lot of villains. I, I I never met him, but he's someone that like you see, yeah, and that you obviously notice because of, because of that jumper. And I hope today goes as well as it can for Ryan as well, who's a, a big friend of his. Yeah, Ryan Av on Twitter, I think his his handle is. I just hope that the funeral goes well and that people can remember the good times with him yeah thoughts to, to everybody who who's attending and those that can't be there as well yeah well that's it for another podcast yeah, uh, i'm late for work now so that's that, good that's fine so am i um it's uh we're gonna do hopefully the podcast next week after the millwall game all being well yeah. um so let's hope that we're talking about six points again which is absolutely phenomenal as i say there's a lot of content if you haven't seen the uh, bristol city uh, post-match reaction that's also on fan YouTube cams as well, well. Got to say, fan cams was very enjoyable a lot of a lot of a few new people it was good yeah so yeah. there's loads of villa content right now on youtube so make sure you check all of that out if it's not villa on tour wish yeah, don't go to that no. uh obviously if you listen to this on the on itunes you can leave us reviews as well so that'd be really really good uh, make sure you're liking subscribing on the channel um and yeah we'll we'll see you next week fbas as well oh keep shoot, voting for the fbas yeah. martin freeman's voting so just make sure you're doing the same thing as Martin Freeman. This is the last week. Uh, is it? It, it ends oh, on, on, on Easter Sunday. So, yeah, please, if you haven't voted, please just go on online now. You can do it through Twitter. Uh, the, all the information is on, on uh, the Villa Views pinned tweet. And you can also do it on footballbloggingawards.co.uk. Um, and you can vote via Twitter, via Instagram, and via the website. So, please, if you like what we do, vote every which way you can. Yeah, I mean, it's a good job I'm here, isn't it? Because you've got the notes and you've not put one of the most important things on there. That's Standard Julian, probably a good place to end. What a great finish. I'm not going to get in trouble now for being late from work, but who cares? It's all for the villa. Eight in a row. Eight in a row. Of the villa. Of the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.